confess our sins to God our Father, imploring him in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to grant us forgiveness. Our help is in the name of the Lord. I said I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Almighty God, merciful Father, I, a troubled and penitent sinner, confess to you my sins and iniquities with which I have offended you and for which I justly deserve your punishment. But I am sorry for them and repent of them and pray for your boundless mercy. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, be gracious and merciful to me, a poor sinful being. Forgive my sins. Give me your Holy Spirit for the amendment of my sinful life and bring me to life everlasting. Amen. In the mercy of Almighty God, Jesus Christ was given to die for you, and for his sake God forgives you all of your sins. To those who believe in Jesus Christ, he gives the power to become the children of God and bestows on them the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Old Testament reading from the 17th chapter, chapter of 1 Samuel. Now the Philistines gathered their forces for war and assembled at Soko in Judah. They pitched camp at Ephes Damon between Soko and Azekah. 
Saul and the Israelites assembled and camped in the valley of Elah and drew up their battle lines to meet the Philistines. The Philistines occupied one hill and the Israelites another and the valley between them. A champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. He was over nine feet tall. He had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of scale armor of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. On his legs, he had bronze greaves and a bronze javelin was sling, slung on his back. The spear shaft was like a weaver's rod, the iron point weighing 600 shekels. His shield bearer went ahead of him. Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? And are you not servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he is able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistines said, this day I defy the ranks of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replies, you're not able to go out against the Philistine and fight him. You're only a boy, and he's been a fighting man from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping the fa his father's sheep. When a lion or bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by the hair and struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear, this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin." But I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. All those gathered here will know that it's not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly forward quickly towards the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his head, and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone, without a sword in his hand. He struck down the Philistine and killed him. This is the word of the Lord.
David, Psalm 41 is printed on page 8. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will rise and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not turn to the proud, to those who go astray after a lie. 
Then I said, Behold, I have come in the scroll of the book. It is written of me. I desire to do your will. O my God, our law is within my heart. I have told the glad news of deliverance in the great congregation. Behold, I have not restrained my lips, as you know, O Lord. I have not hidden your deliverance within my heart. I have spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your steadfast love and your faithfulness from the great congregation. As for you, O Lord, you will not restrain your mercy from me. Your steadfast love and your faithfulness will ever preserve me. But may all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who love your salvation continually say, Great is the Lord. The epistle is from the first chapter of Colossians. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the holy and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae. Grace and peace to you from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all the saints. The faith and love that springs from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven and that you have already heard about in the word of truth. The gospel has come to you. All over the world, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing, just as it has been going, doing among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace in all its truth. You learned it from Ephraim, our dear fellow servant, who is faithful minister of Christ on our behalf, behalf, and who has also told us of your love in the Spirit. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray that in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all the powers according to his glorious might, so you might have great endurance and patience and joyful giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. This is the word of the Lord. We rise for the reading of the Holy Gospel, the Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 10th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? 
What is written in the law? He replied. How do you read it? He answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You've answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and when he fell into the hands of robbers, they stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. And he went to him and bandaged his wounds, poured on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. This is the gospel of the Lord. Now for those who can, I invite you to remain standing for this battle hymn of the church, A Mighty Fortress is Our God.
seated. This series, The Tree of Life, God's Promise of Salvation, is looking at ten very important texts from the Bible that every Christian should know. And uh, this fourth week we come to an account that is so well known, people even outside the church refer to it. This account of uh, the classic storyline of David and Goliath, where the weaker and the smaller take on and defeat the bigger and the stronger, this is the original, this is the ultimate David and Goliath story right here. Standing nine and a half feet tall, this giant is looming over this boy at least four feet smaller. Get the visual. This giant's 126 pounds of armor probably weighs more than the boy. And the tip of his spear is as heavy as a bowling ball. David comes with what he has. Sling, five stones, and a name. To say the visual odds were not favoring this boy very much would be an understatement, and Goliath knew it. You could tell by the way he was shaking his massive head, sneering at the boy. You could also tell as he would pump his chest, that armored chest filled with pride. But we know pride comes before the fall. One stone, that's all it took. One stone sunk into that giant's head brought him down. So as we read this account, we understand that this is no mere clash between a boy's boy and a man's man. This isn't some conflict that's just between a sling and a sword. This is about the name of God and the true God and the only God. And the battle really didn't even belong to David. This account of David and Goliath is, is an important moment in the bigger narrative that is 1 Samuel. And it challenges people, it challenges you and me to ask, by what terms do you define who is the underdog? It challenges us to think about that. How do we walk? We have the answer from St. Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. We know how to walk. We walk by faith. We walk by faith. And this account is, is a highlight that contrasts Two kings. We could actually say this little story inside the bigger story is a tale of two shepherds. For on this day, David, it was the best of times. It was the worst of times for King Saul. He's intimidated. David is inspired. This beautiful little series we're doing this summer is all about people who saw that bigger picture about people who walked by faith. 500-year-old Noah, he would have never gone out and gathered gopher wood to build an ark if he didn't have faith. 99-year-old Abraham would never have dared come back to the hill to seek wood, to go on up Mount Sinai and tell everybody, we'll be back, referring to him and Isaac without faith. And 80-year-old Moses, he would have never gone back to Egypt and then parted the sea with his wooden staff. This young man, David, is the youngest of uh, eight brothers. Who saw him serving Jesse, his father, by watching the sheep? Who paid attention to him defending the flocks when the lions and the bears came to get one of those sheep? 
Who tweeted about David bringing lunch to his three older brothers? David wasn't old enough to serve in the army, but that didn't keep him out of it. David walked by faith. Saul walked by sight. And we heard it in the text. David, take my, take my armor, take my sword. At least you'll look the part. And David said, no, thank you. Don't need it. If David had been walking by sight, he'd have uh, frozen his tracks and he would have fumbled his rocks. But he didn't. I think it's interesting that he runs into the valley. Isn't it ironic how Goliath's sarcastic winner-take-all challenge does hold the truth? David was a dog in this battle. Goliath was the real underdog. You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord, the God of the armies of Israel whom you've defied, and the battle is the Lord's. That's what David said. That's what David believed. The battle is the Lord's. And now this day, all those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all y'all, all of you, into our hands this day. How does a young man like David get such faith? And when are we sometimes like Saul? When are we captivated by what we see? When are we fixed on those loudest speeches? And when are our ears merely focused on what's popular and what's being shouted? You know, if and when we're tempted to do only that, we risk seeing only the little picture. There's a much bigger picture that people who walk by faith see here. We don't want to risk missing out to see where our story is part of God's bigger story. I do not know how odds makers really work. How do they determine a spread? But I do know this. There's a greater story and David sees it. He knows the battle is the Lord's. He knows what's on the line. And he knows there is no other God period. So he's emboldened to go forward. David knows it is solely, wholly, completely, and only by the power and might and grace of the living God that any of us can face any of our giants and walk by faith. David knows that. And David put his hand into his bag and took out a stone and slung it and struck the Philistine on his forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell on his face to the ground. And generations later, David's greater son would face an even greater enemy. And Jesus marched toward it. His battle against sin, death, and the devil was fought alone. Sight walkers that day would have given Jesus no chance. He's bloodied, he's beaten, he's bruised, he's weak, he's hanging. He has no sword, no javelin. All Jesus had in this battle was what he brought, 
his own wooden cross to which he was now nailed. Faith walkers, you and me, we, we see something bigger here, the bigger picture. Jesus sinking not a stone, but his very foot into the skull of the devil. Hmm. One heel, that's all it took. A blow more lethal than any rock brought Satan down. Christ crushed it for you and for me. What a powerful victory. And on that third day, on that Easter morning, he proved it to the world. And to hundreds, he exposed his hands and his side and said, See, it did not come at no cost. That lethal blow caused quite the bruise. But he willingly endured that for you and for me. You know, those eyes of faith that we've been talking about so far in this series, only these first four, Noah, Abraham, Moses, David, they had these eyes of faith before Calvary. You and I look back to an event that is historic, factual, and real. It's a different kind of faith, but no less powerful as it moves within our hearts. Here's another interesting point in here. You've picked it up. We all know that God can use people who look like underdogs for his glory. We understand that he can raise up anyone to demonstrate his power. And he equips every one of them with all that they need for the battle, for the battle is the Lord's. So when you and I hear shouts from the other side of the hill, hey, church, you don't have a chance in our world. We don't fumble around. We pull out God's word and we say, no, 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 no. In all these things, we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus who loved us and gave himself up for us. And nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. His love unites his people. His love binds his people. His love fills his people. How about those news reports we see when one more hopeless event takes place and our hearts are tempted to be in dismay or despair? We join with the psalm writer and say, Why are you downcast, O my soul? And why is there great turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I will again praise him. I will stand up. I will sing. I will praise the Lord my God. For the battle is the Lord's. And where do we find an anchor for this? This hope that lives within us? Receive it right here at the Lord's table. His very body, in with and under the bread and wine given to you to absolve your sin and to encourage and strengthen us for the fight. Not our fight. It's his fight. The battle is the Lord's. Our story, oh yes, it's nestled within a bigger story. Our whole series, the tree of life, God's promise of salvation. So now when the worldly giants bark their rants against the church, we don't lose heart. We rally together because we know the end of the story, that the battle is the Lord's, and we've been given all that we need. And that's what we say, and that's what we believe. Amen.
Let us rise to confess this faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy Christian church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, life everlasting. Amen. We're saved. Heavenly Father, give patience to your church, to her ministers, and to all of us, your people, that we may trust in your word and promise when eyes do not see your hand at work. Remind us that we live by faith and not by sight, and when hearts are tempted to anxiety and fear, grant that we know the fullness of your peace. We thank you for the many everyday personal evidences of your loving care that we do see, your love for us is so very clear. Enable us to love you with all our heart and soul and strength. Lord, in your mercy. Lord God, it is your will that all people might come to you through your Son, Jesus Christ. Inspire our witness to him and open hearts that are hardened by sin and the devil.
that all may know the power of His forgiveness and the hope of His resurrection. Lord, in Your mercy, hear our prayer. O Lord, cause all who govern our land to do so with reverence, impartiality, and compassion. Heal our nation and bring about reconciliation and understanding where there is division and discord. Watch over our military personnel in harm's way. Protect innocent people in war-torn nations and reconcile us with our enemies to your glory. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord God, we pray for those in attendance at the National Youth Gathering in Houston, Texas. Bless the youth and the adult chaperones as they travel and as they attend the gathering. Grant them safety in their travels and bless their time together as they grow in faith and in love toward you. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And now, Lord, you come and visit those whose strength is weak and whose hope is nearly lost. Comfort all who are experiencing anxiety, all who are sick, all who are dying, and all who are mourning. Today we especially remember Craig Bilberg, Steve Bilyeu, Allie Jaggy, and Sherry Briley and Gina Burroughs as they have had surgery this week. Lord, in your mercy, into your hands, O oh Lord, we commend ourselves and all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. And we join in the prayer you gave us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen. Amen.